Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerd She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeele. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Hello and welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. It's Friday. I'm Dave Dufour. That means it's Nerder. She wrote... Joining me as they do each and every week, Seth Partnow and Moda Kill, and we're all, we're all drinking our coffee because going a little early here Friday morning, and we were up late watching the Nuggets and Suns. Good playoff basketball, but we're going to start with the the earlier game. Sixers Celtics going to a Game 7 on Sunday, killing what should have been a nice free weekend for all the NBA folks. Man, if you're the Celtics... You got to feel pretty lucky, and if you're the Sixers, you got to feel pretty sick, Mo. Oh, I mean, if you're the Sixers, you're, you you have a pit in your stomach right now. Of really had the opportunity to go to the conference final, something they haven't done since the AI days, right? Am I am I missing something here? Like, it's it's massive. And just think about it this way: if you're Doc Rivers, you haven't gone, you haven't made the conference final since what 2013, like the you're you're really kind of an opportunity for you to kind of shake this whole uh I can't win uh closeout games. If you're James Harden, another opportunity another thing kind of legacy. You just had big games in this series, another moment to add to your playoff history and be to finally get to the conference finals. And the Celtics were struggling. Jason Tatum won a 13 at this point and they just couldn't close out. It's I I'm sorry, Philly. Like I, I feel terrible for you. Look, it's at a make or miss league. Having, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say at least you're, you don't have to wake up and watch endless replays of the Kawhi four bouncer because it's the fourth anniversary of that. Oh, it is the fourth anniversary of. This. Oh, wow. you're, you're, you're now you're piling. You did that to be mean, Seth. Yes. You did that to be mean. I did. That was that was cruel. I did. Well, let, let's jump into this series a little bit because, you know, we, we don't get a chance to do this very often to set up game seven. So, I mean, I, I want to start with Jason Tatum. You mentioned he was one of 13 to start that game. And by start that game, I mean, until the fourth quarter, he was struggling. I'm not going to say he was bad because the guy's job is I hard. Am. But wait, I, wait, I wait, wait. Well, he listen, he plays defense. <laughs> okay. So like he still does his job. He just missed a lot of shots and some of them were tough that he makes and that he made even in the fourth quarter. This, I'm, this guy, I mean, he had a rough game. I'm going to disagree with you. I think that he was, we were, Mo and I were watching his, he, his decisions with the ball. He was loose with the ball. He had turnovers. And I think his defense was um, unenergetic at times as well. I think he would, he had about as tough a two or three quarters, like all around. This is not a situation where, a guy's playing hard, playing well, and just missing shots. He was playing poorly overall for much of the first three quarters of that game. I mean, just to put it into perspective, 
Do you remember in game one when Malcolm Brogdon threw the ball to Tyrese Maxey at the end of the clock? Yes. And that, that, yeah, that yeah, led yeah, to yeah. that kind of disaster. Jason Tatum had the same thing happen in the seven, right. <laughs> like the seven minute mark of the fourth quarter. He, he in transition goes to pull up for a train, a, a terrible transition three realizes it's about to get blocked, looks to throw the pass and he throws it right to James Harden. Like it's, this is, he was awful for three and a half quarters. I know what you're saying, Dave, like he didn't do a bad job rebounding, did try, you know, did have a couple of assists and things like that in that, but just the overall feel in that game, he was awful in that situation for the Celtics. And then, and then when he came alive, this is what we were talking about. These were some badass shots. And I don't mean badass <laughs> and like, yo, he's a badass. They were bad shots. They were no, no, no. Okay. Shots. The, the, the three on Embiid to get the party rolling, to put them up one was, was a terrible, terrible shot. Then coming off a of pick and roll into a step back off of Tyrese Maxey, which we can debate good or bad, like drills that one. It's just kind of like those two shots. I'm just like, holy shit. You've been terrible all game. Like give credit to short memory. To be able to have the confidence yeah. to take those shots after that. Well, he missed his first six threes and then finishes the game four of 11 from three. Like that's, he didn't beat himself in this game and he won the game for the Celtics. Just, they hung around just enough for him to hit shots and for the Sixers to miss. And it's kind of been the story of this series where Jalen Brown has been the guy attacking the, attacking the rim, uh, putting pressure on the defense, you know, driving kick, just keeping them in it. And this was another example. And then, you know, down the stretch of another game, they go away from Jalen Brown. And this time it, it actually worked out because Tatum, Tatum like woke up uh, or his shot started going in or someone flipped the magnet on the ball or something. But they went away from Jalen Brown a little bit. But Jalen Brown kept them in this game for the majority of it. And, you know, he's been doing that the entire series. This is uh it's funny that the all NBA announcements happened this week. And there's a lot of conversations about how both of these guys are now super max eligible. And I think people, there's a weird, there's a weird conversation that happens outside of my NBA circle where people act like these two guys aren't perfect partners. But I think that that was an example of why, because Jalen Brown was so aggressive and staying on top of the Sixers that they couldn't really take a break. And it allowed Jason Tatum room to suck. Is it fair to say that Tatum is more talented, but Jalen Brown is tougher? And this is not me. I'm not saying that Jason Tatum is not a tough player. Sure. I'm saying that Jalen Brown, like that is a, that is a high level trait of his. And I think that that's, you know, he's uh, I think enough has been said about his you know, struggles as a ball handler and stuff like that. But and I think we saw this in the finals, too, last year when Tatum was uh, when Tatum was kind of in his own head a little bit like Jalen Brown was the guy who would stick his head down. And for better or the worse, I'm going that way hard. Um, and and that so that's an interest. It's an interesting dichotomy between, between those two in that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment in that scenario, like Brown was really good for three quarters and he slips on a West spot and I just kind of disappeared, but he also has been disappearing in the fourth quarter throughout the series. And I think it's more of the product of the Celtics offense. I think we were having this discussion, Dave, and you, you, you might enjoy this one. If the Celtics had lost this game, this conversation on Tatum, 
I mean, this would the, the because the media loves to do it. It would have been a referendum on Tatum's career, and we would have said yeah. it's over at twenty six or whatever, and and setting up the comeback for next season and all the storylines that go with that. But the Celtics' offense has to fi- help these guys. They need to put an offense together that actually helps these guys, so that it's not they have to bear the weight of just create shit. This is rant, and I don't mean just be playmakers. They rant, they just don't have anything. They don't run anything. It's they call it random. Like when I was a video coordinator, yeah, I'd have a play section that we would call random. We were never supposed to have like five or six plays more than that of randomness in the game. They have the entire game of randomness and five or six just actual plays. Like the offense has to help these guys in that sense, the structure that they have to build in that. And I mean, they got lucky tonight. Or yesterday, yeah. It's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays. You know, to your point, after the game, Marcus Smart he he called out Joe Mazzula and said, "Yo, he's been getting killed, rightfully so." Like we like you got your player sitting there in the post game, honestly saying, "You know what? The media is kind of right. He's he's sucked a little bit." Uh, You know, (laughs) don't say that, Marcus. Don't say the quiet part out loud, dude. I, it, it's so funny to me because this is actually now this is not just a Joe Missoula problem because this was an Ime Odoka problem and this was a Brad Stevens problem. At a certain point, it we've got to start looking at the players and say maybe there is a system and the players either don't know it or just don't want to run it. And, and that's what it is. It, it's I, I, like I refuse to believe that NBA coaches aren't putting in a playbook. So I think that that and it's this is going to sound weird that I'm doing this today, but I think that if Jason Tatum, in particular, took a little bit of a page from Devin Booker's book, and when like a couple couple seasons ago, I think it was Monty Williams' first season, when when Booker first kind of transitioned from being kind of more of an empty calories guy to a really impactful player, uh, they talked a lot. He talked a lot about like point fiving, like catching the ball, making a quick decision. And I think that, that that's something that Tatum has all the ability in the world that if he just went just that half count faster, instead of catching and settling, catching and surveying, there's so many times where if he just ca- caught and went when he catches the ball, because I, I, I think I disagree with Mo a little bit. I think their offense does get him the ball in spots at times where he's got like a semi-closeout coming to him. But he doesn't take advantage he of it stops. because he catches and catches and holds and surveys, and so I think it's a little bit of both. In that, if he just did that, you know, not every time. There are times where you know, survey the floor, do a thing, is right. But I think better balancing that will make his life easier. Will get them in situations where they attack a closeout, kick, attack a closeout again, kick. That that real that, that almost moved at at times. You know, the start of the season they had a little bit of that beautiful game spurred to them. And they've maybe gone away from that. You know, your stars are stars because they hit the tough shots. But you've got to find a way to get them some easy ones. Every shot can't be a tough, contested shot. And, you know, it just it wears you down. I, I just, by this point in the season, all this individual shot creation, it's got to be exhausting. And, and to, go, to go to your point, Seth, that's also coaching. That's also the coach. That's also creating film. Uh, uh, turn to your video guy. Hey, I want 
every time he's done that over the last five games where he's he's had the advantage, but he stopped and didn't take advantage of it. Like, that's coaching. That's what you do. That's the job. That's part of it, you know, and I think that's part of what I'm talking about in that sense. And Dave, and you're, you're right, fatigue's definitely setting in. I mean, this is Tatum made a point to play every game this season and, and play major minutes and all of that stuff. I'm not a fan of load management, but the dude didn't need to play as many minutes as he played. You could have right. found a little more rest spots. And, and if there was an opportunity to maybe sit him a game, probably should have because it's catching up to him now. You can see it here where he does look tired. With these things, it's funny they won this game, and we're we're kind of shitting. I on know them. it's, it's, it's uh, well, sort of yeah. because I, and honestly, they, they should have no lost. Business, they had no business winning, and they and, and I want to go back to Philly real quick, right? Because I do want to say this: like we think Missoula all the time for for especially timeouts. I thought Doc did a terrible job in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, first let's let's praise Missoula first, and and we'll we'll hammer the Sixers because, like you said, I, I there were problems with what they were doing but i think the biggest change that missoula made was rob williams in the starting lineup that was a game changer for for boston uh just an intensity level change giving them more size um to start the game instead of you know letting the sixers kind of get ahead not a head start because they haven't done that in every game but they get a chance to get themselves going in a way that they couldn't with rob williams out there I think we, we, you know, we talk a lot about spacing and how important it is to create space. I think that there, there were certainly plays in the game where uh, the vertical spacing that Robert Williams provided. Um, there's been times in the series where, where particular Tatum and Brown have been, I think it's fair to say, intimidated by Embiid at the rim. And just adding that lob threat in a couple spots gave them a little bit more, just a little more opening to go finish the rim because Embiid is at least thinking about, I can't fully commit because they'll just throw the lob over my head and this guy will dunk it. And I think that that, I, I think getting back to a little bit of that, I think he had like two or three lobs he caught. And then mm -hmm. just a couple times where Embiid was just like one step further off than he has been from cutting, cutting the, the, you know, the basket area off. Yeah, I just think it helps them also just defensively. Another rim protector and things in that stretch, you know, uh, well, in that meltdown for the Sixers, Embiid had a nice jump hook right after that Tatum three that he hit in his face and Horford banging away with him, banging away with him. And that's that's tough enough, you know, and it looks like a simple jump hook when you go to take that, but you have Al Horford <laughs> on your body the whole way. And it was a clean play. I'm not saying foul or anything. But then on top of that, then you have to contend with Robert Williams coming over and trying to rotate. So now that kind of alters the shot and forced to miss. Like, I think that's kind of the stuff there. Like that was smart from Missoula to make that, that change there. I thought that was an important one there. And the other thing too, was he didn't play guys that sucked. I mean, he went with the seven man rotation. He sliced his rotation down massively. Um, Getting Grant Williams out of there was was massive for them. And, and you know, you you worry about at least they don't have a short turnaround, right? They've got a couple of days off before they've got that game seven on Sunday. And so, you know, you're you're able to go short when, when you get a little bit more rest. But getting Grant Williams out of there, it's one one less guy that the Sixers could attack. And in particular, James Harden couldn't attack him. All right, let, let's move to the Sixers. You said Doc Rivers. You, you didn't like the way that he approached the fourth. Um, it, was there anything he could have done before the fourth that maybe would have kept him out of that situation? No, I mean, I, I Seth has some points on that one. Let's 
<laughs> yeah. TF, TF Seth, do that in TF Seth. Uh, I mean, two things. One, I think that that Embiid clearly can't play, you know, twelve minute straight stretches, and you, you got to find some ways to whether it's play him shorter stints, whether it's just roll with like be prepared to roll with Paul Reed a little more. Like Paul Reed has played well at times in the series. Seemed like there was a very short hook with him tonight. Uh, the other thing is, I thought that that Doc's usage of challenges was was bad. Um, I thought that the one he ended up ended up challenging was an it was a I think it was in like on first replay a pretty obvious miss call, but at the same time to take away a possession uh, where the other team has to inbound with seven seconds on the shot clock, you're not actually gaining that much from 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 that. Whereas in the first quarter there was what looked like a a, a very questionable goaltending call, and if you're going to take two points off the board, like that even in the first quarter that's when you should be looking to use your challenge because it, isn't uh, that a little bit of just the system, right? You only get one and you want to save it just in case you need it down the stretch. I mean, this is kind of how we at least see them. Use yeah. It. I, yes. But I think that, that this is a, there's a differentiating, like I, I'm going to go back to Quinn Snyder because I think he's, he's the coach who, who understands best the kinds of plays on which you use challenges and points off the board. Is right. is that time and points off the board in the first quarter? You know, you can argue about first quarter possession versus fourth quarter possession, but is there any any situation in the fourth quarter where you'd want to use that challenge? Like, say, oh, we don't have a challenge on this obvious bad out of bounds call. Well, we're up by two more points, right? Which, like, well, I mean, listen, yeah. I think from from a coaching perspective, right? You think about it, it's sort of like coaches fouling their own guys out. Guy picks early fouls. And you set him on the bench. You fouled him out. I, I think that these guys want to hang on to that challenge in case like Embiid gets into foul trouble. If Embiid has five fouls and Marcus Smart flops, you want to be able to challenge it. And so like I, that is tough. Like this is yeah. where the strategy of the challenge matters. And we've talked about this a little bit, not on the show, because I don't know how interesting it is, but I'll bring it up now. I think that if you're if you're a team, you have to have like here are time scenarios like time on the clock. This is when I, I would use a timeout anyway. And if there's an opportunity to challenge that sort of aligns with that, not a bad time to use it. But otherwise, it is, I think, stuff like that where you're like, all right, I'm worried my guy might foul out and we need him late. I got to hang on to it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's, you know, it's a finite resource. It's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy though, to, to fouling your own guys out. Right. Because it's it, that, that fear, it's sort of that irrational fear of a situation that is unlikely versus... Or I could just take two points off the board right now. Yeah, and I think, that's. 
I think that's the game. Like I'm, I'm team save your challenges. You're, you might need them at the end of the game. And if it's okay, if it's not like timeouts, it's okay. If at the end of the game, you didn't use your challenge. It's I'm that security blanket. I need that, but I'm kind of with Seth on this though, unless it's to save my guy from foul trouble, unless it's to take points off the board. That challenge, and Seth called it right away. We're doing a playback. Uh, join us on playback.tv uh, for these games. Seth called it right away. The dumbest, dumbest, dumbest challenge. Um, I would. I didn't. It was. I thought it was a bad challenge. I've seen worse. There have been worse. <laughs> don't, just, just, just. <laughs> okay. Shut sorry, up. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm giving three, you love. Yeah, that was three you, dumbest. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you compliment here, and you've ruined it. You know how rare it is that I compliment you, Seth. We're on. We talk every day, and all That's I do true. is I try to fucking compliment you one fucking time, and you take it away. God. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm done with that point. All right, so that screwed it up. Let's let's move on from the challenge. <laughs> um, the other thing was, I, I thought, I mean, the Sixers they got tight. They got tight. I mean, this is playoff basketball. You've got to score more than thirteen points in the fourth quarter. I, I'm sorry, It'd be hard to win games at this point in the playoffs if you can only put up thirteen points in the quarter. I mean, you know, the the Warriors lose to Lonnie Walker because they only scored seventeen points in the fourth the other night and this is an example i mean they just got tight i mean this is where i think coaching comes in and this is where i think his fourth quarter coaching was an issue and i think there were opportunities to really put their their hands around this game and 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 really kind of kill the celtics i mean this is this goes back to my favorite quote i love to use during the playoffs with diehard right it's it's Bruce Willis scrambling underneath the table and the guy who's talking shit to him says, next time you have a chance to kill somebody, don't hesitate. And that wasn't for verbatim, but you know, and, and Bruce just kind of says, yeah, you're right. And it shoots him through the table. Like it's, it's, right. it's just kind of like, that's their opportunity. Like there was the moment, um, uh, Maxie got the clear path foul and that whole weird fiasco of the wrong guy shooting free throws. I have a small coaching thing that I don't think any coach really does. It probably goes back more to big plays in football with, with how I kind of developed this theory, mm -hmm. but you you've won that possession. No matter what you got your two points. Cause you made your free throws on the clear path foul. You're getting the ball back. Maximize that, that I am running a sideline out of bounds play for a three right then and there it's 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 you get the turnover big play in football right. right then the very next play we're going deep like that kind of stuff now you've made a five-point possession if you make that three and 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 i think that's the important thing with that instead they went into which fair enough Embiid's their guy post up for Embiid. he ends up missing a a, a a jumper i think off the top of my head but i think just in the fourth quarter i felt like there were times doc could have also settled this team down mm -hmm. a bit and hey, we need a good offensive possession here. And I just felt like he he had a couple timeouts he could have used. I'm not talking about the last two. I think he had one more he could have used. Just you needed to settle the team down there, and he just didn't. And I felt like there was a little bit of like, oh shit, here's Doc blowing game uh, another uh, closeout game. I mean, do you feel like they should have maybe gone to more Harden down the stretch? It, it seems like in this series, he is, and I know like not a great Harden game, but some of their best stuff has come with the ball in his hands, applying pressure, you know, on the Celtics defense and then creating kickouts for other people. I mean, Maxie had a great, uh, we talked about it a little bit before the show, 
you know, Maxi in the corner is actually dangerous because he can just kill you on a closeout and he's such a smooth shooter. So he can either take the open look if it's there or just absolutely blow by you. And he, he got a dunk coming out of the corner in, in this game and maybe a little bit more of that. Just spread out around Harden, let him slow the game down, which is a different version of slowing it down and, and just grind him out a little bit in the fourth. I think the Celtics have over the course of the series, um, Certainly last night, I thought they did a, a pretty good job on a, a point of attack against Harden. I think we uh, this is a spot where Jalen Brown hasn't always been noted for his defense. I think his commitment to sort of being uh, physical, not maybe not 94 feet, but 75 feet with, with Harden, I think that that sort of took a toll. And Harden just at this point doesn't have the doesn't have the the, the burst in fourth quarters to you know, there's even when he gets a seam, there is the play where he kind of juke by. I think it was Brown, might have been Brogdon, and then tries to go at 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 Horford. Horford just strips him, and that was you know Boston had to use their challenge on that. But I mean, it's I, I'm not sure if if just putting the ball in Harden's hands and letting him cook is where they are right now. And but at the same time, there are ways they could they could do it to make it easier. Um, I think we we noted earlier. Uh, Robert Williams, how he did a nice job of compressing the space. I think they're kind of letting the Celtics off the hook by just by having PJ Tucker stuck to that opposite corner. Even you were talking about Maxi playing out of the corner, just a simple exchange where where okay, you're not necessarily worried about Tucker above the break, but then 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 Williams at least has oh my guy's up there. What do I? There's at least that 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 confusion. Whereas if he okay, Tucker's going to be in the corner. I can turn fully face the ball. Because I know where my guy is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's – it's. I don't know if I agree with the concept of going with Harden more in that issue. And by the way, the way this series has gone, good game one, bad couple of games, good game four, bad couple of games. Oh, Harden's uh, going for 50 in game seven. Yeah, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying right now, game seven might be a Harden masterpiece. Brace yourself, Boston. <laughs> but I, I, I just think – He's going to cook. I'm just, excited for that. Just be a little bit uh, worried about that stuff. But I think the uh, – uh, I I don't mind that stuff. They did get some good looks. Like, literally went through those final few minutes and, and basically their anemic offense down the stretch. They got decent looks. P.J. Tucker missed a, a wide-open corner three before the play uh, Seth was talking about that they challenged. They had some where they had guys taking step backs that I didn't think they needed to and and, and so on. But I think – just ultimately, that's again. Sorry, I'm gonna just keep saying it. That's where your coach needs to settle you down. That's yeah. coaching. That's in the playoffs. That's coaching. Sometimes it's the timeout where you just go, everybody breathe. We're gonna take this timeout and do a breathing exercise. Everything's fine. Unpucker your buttholes, please. Let's go. Everybody relax. Let's go. And I think that's something that they kind of just needed in that. And every coach has plays that they go to that like this is a bucket for us. Let's run it now. And and right. and he just I just didn't they feel just like didn't. they just I felt like Doc's fourth quarter coaching was was just not good. Even just using those timeouts, I mean you said earlier, like about the kind of the long stints for Embiid. Like part of the reason I think they go away from him is at the, towards the end of the game. First of all, it's harder to go to big guys, like at end of games, uh, especially given you know Mo's favorite thing, the inability of NBA players to make entry passes. But <laughs> but uh, okay, if he's if he's wearing down, well, that's a pretty good use of a timeout. All right, we're gonna 
get, you know, these are the timeouts and playoff games are long. Let's get, let's get, let's get Joel like two and a half minutes. Then we'll go right. Then, okay. I know you're having to work hard against Horford. Take a blow. You're going right back at him out of this timeout. Yeah. I mean, the timeouts wind up being three to four minutes, uh, something like that, because you, you know, you go to commercial or whatever and, and you're right. It's just a way to keep them a little bit fresher. Uh, game seven is going to be Sunday. You guys got a prediction? Celtic are, are the Celtics going to be able to do this, or, or Sixers to the conference finals? It's weird. I think Boston's the better team, except that Philly play like looked like the better team for most of last night. And so at home, I, it's hard to it's hard to not pick the Celtics. But I, this is. This matchup is the is the the scene with the I can clearly not choose the glass of wine in front of you for a reason, and but I can clearly not choose the glass of wine in front of me for equal opposite reasons. So I don't know. Two, two maybe movie, the, two movie references in one that segment. Was, that was really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually going with the Celtics because I don't think Al Horford's going to continue to shoot like he's never shot a basketball before. Right. I feel like he'll. It, it, I think they got and I. That Philadelphia blew a massive, massive chance right here. And now that they're going into a game seven, I feel like the pressure is even more on them and more on their guys, more on yeah. Doc, more on Harden. I feel like more on Embiid. The 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 press, pressure is so big in all of that that I think like this is going to be a, too much for them. And I don't trust them when the pressure is at its highest in all that scenario. And then – another season where the uh, NBA MVP doesn't get to the conference finals. I, I kind of am, am, am thinking we might see a Tatum game on Sunday. I, I, the interesting, the, the interesting part about his late blitz was he was the player who committed and it was a terrible clear pass foul. The one that, you know, that, that, that we talked about and it was, and I don't want to like psychologize, but I will anyway. Um, it's like, well, that's the dumbest thing I'm ever going to do on a basketball court. Okay, well, it's time to play now. And then right. after that, after got that, that out of the way, yeah, got that out of the way, and uh, and okay, let's go now. And yeah, uh, and his his comments after the game were like, yeah, for forty three minutes, I sucked. That's exactly what I was trying to. I was about to jump in and say his comments after the game were great. I was terrible. I sucked. I'm one of the best basketball players in the world, though, and he just kept playing. Like that's that. Uh, God, we're just throwing fucking references. Oh, God. Be like a goldfish, Be a goldfish, right? Like, yeah, the goldfish. Like that's that's it. Shout out to Ted Lasso. Dave, move on before we come. Can up we with get another it? Movie can we? Reference. All right, we got to move off this topic because you guys are <laughs> killing me with all this movie stuff. Okay, Die Hard. How can you be mad at that? That's a great I, Die one. Hard is fine. <laughs> Die Hard is fine. I just you know we're 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 in the weeds in the movie references at this point, and we have a series that's over. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We have a conference finalist in the West, the Denver Nuggets, the one seed. Nikola Jokic was amazing in this series. This series went about the way we expected, right? I think so. Yep. Um... Maybe maybe some of the contours are different. Like, like Aiton being out the last game, um, sure, is obviously not something. Uh, Chris Paul getting hurt was not exactly unexpected. What? But I think, I no, Chris Paul getting hurt was was not. It kind of just happens every year. I mean, yeah, I, no, and I'm no. not and I'm not knocking the guy. It just, yeah. you know, he's old. It, it. I mean, this he had an old man injury too. So yep. this was that was a little bit expected on my part. Now, you don't like anticipate, all right, he's definitely going to hurt his groin, but I'm not shocked that they yeah. couldn't rely on him. Yeah, no, I first no, I got to I got to just own it here. Denver and the Denver Nuggets, I'm sorry. I was on the bandwagon at the start of the season, was all in, loved Bruce Brown, the pickup, all that stuff was all excited. I did get scared during the season and backed off. Um, and, and I'll tell you the exact moment. It was when Embiid kicked the shit out of y'all in Philadelphia. I jumped off the, the, the bandwagon, right? And, and, and I never got back on and I didn't have enough, uh, faith in you guys. Even as the playoffs started, I apologize. If y'all let me back on the bandwagon, I'd like to join <laughs> you. Um, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, in that stuff, but like the, they've been the best team throughout the entire playoffs and they have everything that I love about playoff teams. And I'm so mad at myself for not really just kind of staying with them in the sense of they had the most continuity across the board. They they've improved their defense. Although I still have questions, still have questions. Sorry, folks, I'm going to just be that guy. Um, But they're getting amazing stuff from all their role players. I'm not even talking about Jokic being probably one of the best players on the planet. And, and, right now playing like the best player in the NBA, but they're getting stuff from Michael Porter Jr. on the defensive end, and he's been phenomenal, his growth on that end of the court. Aaron Gordon's doing exactly what we always thought he would do once he joined the Denver Nuggets, right, and being that guy. Bruce Brown, the KCP pickup, Christian Brown, like they're getting so many amazing things across the board from all of their guys. 
but like you just look at it going like, God, this team is deep. They know how to play. They know how they want to play. Michael Malone has done a fucking unbelievable job coaching this team to the point that he can't even speak in timeouts and they know what he's doing. I'm telling you, he's using ESP at this point to get them to do shit. It's impressive across the board. So, I mean, at this point, when you look at the Nuggets, you just go like, God damn, like they're the best looking team in the playoffs. And built, not bought. This, this is the thing that's important to me is that it's built, not bought. I, I, they have come up together like this, this core, they they've they're homegrown. I mean, I think that they've grown together and I, I appreciate how they've faced the little bit of adversity that they've run into this year. Like the chemistry, the continuity, adding Bruce Brown and KCP. I mean, that was the, the sort of clincher for me. The two guys that they really have been missing was a defensive first wing and then a guy like Bruce Brown that you could throw on anybody. I mean, I think that that, that something that I've been I, I've been kicking myself uh, kind of since the first round in that all the problems that the Bucks showed in the first round were, were stuff that we saw and we just kind of ignored. Yeah. And um, on the other hand, I think that the things that we liked that I liked about Denver and I've been picking them to make the finals all year. We're just what we're talking about. Like it is, it was incredibly uh, uh, predictable from for me that KCP and Bruce Brown would be playoff dudes. Oh, yeah. And and Christian Brown, even though he's a rookie, is sort of the profile of the guys we've seen be like the the sort of the the big, athletic, strong, can shoot a little, maybe not the most skilled, but you know, look around, you see guys like Caleb Martin for the Heat. In the past, you've seen Pat Connaughton for. For the Bucks, uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, for at, at times for for the Lakers, like this is this is the profile of guys who who Moses Moody even for the 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 why we kind of liked Moses Moody in, in that role for the, the the Warriors, and so they they get those pieces in, and on top of which they have the top end. I mean, they they have the our guy is better than your guy in any possible matchup. I mean, that that's what really really matters is that they have the best player on the court yeah for 40 minutes a game unbelievable he's he's just Jokic is just unbelievable to the point i'm bored and that's shitty <laughs> okay to say. i'm not i'm, not <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding Listen, but like I, what he does but what i'm saying is when yeah. he throws an amazing pass it's like oh it's just Jokic. so what the it's, fuck he does right we <laughs> wait for the ones that are like generational passes where it's like he throws like you know a lefty across the lane through traffic pass that no one's ever thrown before and that's when we get really excited but the guy is just a killer. And when you listen to Kevin Durant talk about Nikola Jokic, that is he's the only person that can really put it in the proper perspective because Kevin Durant's one of the greatest players of all time. Right? Like coming from him when he you know talks about Jokic being an unsolvable problem, it carries a little bit more weight than when we say it. Um, but the guy is unsolvable. I, I don't know, I, I don't know what stops them from winning the title. Unless maybe it's Philly that they that they run into in the finals and Embiid just wins that matchup, which is possible. Um, they That's just, an interesting point. They're so good because the thing that that I've noticed about Jokic in this playoffs, and it's been there at times before, but his sort of, especially on the offensive glass, his relentless physicality in terms of just like moving guys out of the way and tipping the ball, and and just how Denver is just getting, you know. A couple, three extra buckets a game just just off of him being, okay, I'm enormous. I'm just going to lean on you, move you out of the way. I've got great hands. This is my ball, not yours. And maybe, I, and Embiid is maybe the one guy remaining 
Embiid is is the one guy remaining in the playoffs. I think, give or take Anthony Davis, and we'll see. Perhaps uh, that he can't just move out of the way like that. I, yeah, Looney uh, does okay too. We, we'll we'll give Looney Looney against Jokic is is an okay matchup. I mean, Looney still loses the matchup, but he at least yeah, doesn't get destroyed. They have to play him. That's the <laughs> thing with the Warriors in that regard. <laughs> with that stuff, I, listen. I still think there's there's issues with both those teams that they might face in the next round that can really stress them. Sure. In the way in the way that I thought the Suns might stress them and and we should probably start now talking about the Suns and 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 eulogize them a little bit. But I think the uh I think there will be things that we could probably get into over the next week in the when we get talk about the conference finals once that's set. But more importantly too, can we stop talking about Jokic then in the in in the way that we want to? He made it to the conference finals. Can everybody just shut the fuck up and just enjoy his greatness now? Maybe. I don't know. Twice in I don't four think years. So. I don't think so. Yeah, this is his second conference finals, by the way. I, I don't yeah, think no, that yeah, that was, I mean, that's I mean, not going to change. And people are talking, going to talk about Jokic in the way that they talk about Jokic, uh, because you see what you want when you look at players. And Jokic is a player where a lot of people don't see greatness. Uh, I'm not sure how, but you know, it is what it is. Let's talk about the Suns because they're out of it, and, and we kind of expected this. They, they, you know, they sacrificed a lot of depth to get Kevin Durant. Um, and, and you could argue they didn't have a ton anyway. Um, no Chris Paul. So everything was different for them. Obviously they lose Aiton for, for the last game in this series. This was a, this was a fine season for them. Um, it's disappointing because they lost, but I, and I'm not saying that the Kevin Durant trade was only for next year, but it certainly was more for next year where they have a chance this summer to add some pieces, some complimentary pieces around those two guys i think it became more for next year when he, when he sprained his ankle yes yeah right. i think Such i think freak thing I, too. yeah um yeah no i mean i think that that you know uh, a lot of people and i think we were i think we were pretty good about um well maybe you and i dave no, and i was not i was not i was not <laughs> about, i had my when, head down very yeah, quietly when, while when, you were saying that yeah <laughs> when when the when the trade was made we're like okay their 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 top end is uh, is is pretty high, but there's still some issues here. Um, and, you know, it, the, the issues they ran into were foreseeable. They were forced to put some bad players on the court. And when you're top heavy like that and one or two of your top guys get injured, you're kind of fucked. And, like, it didn't have to work out this way, but it working out this way is not surprising. Um, so I think that that being a little more circumspect when the trade was made would have been would have been appropriate. But that said, this isn't like dispositive of being a bad trade. Um, it's Kevin. It's Kevin Durant. Like, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it's a no brainer. It's, it's like, it's, what do we need to give you? Like, it's not yeah. the uh, like. I know people yeah. are like, well, could you've held on to this guy? No, because no. it's Kevin Durant. You don't get to bargain. <laughs> yeah. And um, honestly, like they're they're not in this. They probably aren't in this position where they're. I mean, they pushed the Nuggets a little bit, a little bit. They had some amazing, you know, performances from Booker and some uh, okay performances from Kevin Durant. He was fine. Like he wasn't great, but he was totally fine. And that just doesn't happen if they don't make that trade. That that team, I, I don't, I mean, they probably get out of the first round, but I don't think that they, they don't scare the Nuggets without Kevin Durant. And uh, one of the, my big, my big takeaway for the, for the Nuggets from this, and I think that's everyone's takeaway. Devin Booker has been a good player for a really long time. Devin Booker was maybe the best player in the playoffs 
outside of Jimmy Butler and, and Jokic. And I those think are certainly that, the three. And I think that's massive for next year for the Suns. I think there's no question. I mean, this is probably the the this is the way too early. And if anybody brings this up again, I will slap them sort of situation. But this is like the uh, hey man, I'm going for the MVP next year. Yes, playoffs. And I yes. think that's kind of the 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 scenario in that. That's what they're going to try to go for. You know, Booker's going to try to go for. And I don't see a reason why he couldn't. I mean, he was the best player in the playoffs until games five and six when the Nuggets just said, oh, yeah, they only have two guys. That's when the Nuggets decided we don't need to guard the other guys. They'll flame out. And my point exactly, Cameron Payne had 31 points in the elimination game. I think that's kind of just their the, the theory behind that stuff. For the Suns, like... Forget just kind of reliving the trade moving forward. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. They're over the cap, so it's not like they can just go sign guys. I think they're going to have to find they're going to have to find a new home for DeAndre and, and they're going to have to, and and they're going to have to find a new home for Chris Paul. And I think they need to turn those guys into four or five players. I don't know if it's possible, but they need to turn those guys into four or five actual NBA rotation players and not the guys they had on the bench this year. I, a question I have about that is I think they, they I, I don't think they can bring both Aiden and Monty Williams back next year and expect because I think, you know, this is outside looking in, but there's something clearly fractured about their relationship. I do I do wonder if it's a different voice in the room if you get a more like kind of you get more out of DeAndre. You get more of the DeAndre Aiden. We saw in 21 when they when they went to the finals. So I I while I see what you're saying, Mo, I do wonder if that's another possible avenue, given that that's that like sort of making that kind of move is only money, whereas kind of the other stuff is is sort of tied to salary cap mechanics, which makes it a little more difficult. You could also always move Aiton at the deadline if it's not working out. I think but, I think to I know what Mo's going to say. Go ahead. Yeah. Mo, no, no, so, 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 I want to know what you think I'm going to say and I'll tell you yeah. if you're right. No, I like I I no, so so Mo, Mo I think Mo is going to say that, you know, having to rebuild your team at the deadline is kind of what they had to do this year and to make this work, you know, a very specific team kind of around Booker and Durant, you you kind of need to you need to build that and put everyone else in their roles and figure out which guys you can count on in which spots and then if you just like, well, this hasn't worked Let's uh, let's uh, throw the jigsaw pieces back in the box, shuffle it up again. Maybe it'll be maybe the the puzzle will be complete when we open the box again. Um, I think that they don't want to end up in, back in that spot. Kind of what I was gonna say. Okay. The other the other aspect of it is, man, the players look done with DeAndre Ayton, and that's the thing. Like you you can kind of just see it on dudes' faces sometimes with him, and just the lack of fight. And like, uh, yeah. You know what? Another coach can come in and might be able to get that out of him. Do you really want to bank on that? And then you have to worry about his trade value at that point. You know, and I think there's a value for teams trading for him now in the offseason to, to get to him, have in him to get him yeah. in there. I think, you know, we'll we will find out the draft lottery comes up this week, and then we, teams are gonna lose out on 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 Wembemiyama that badly need a center. And there's going to be a market for him. The market in the offseason is always more robust, is always cooking more. And then if they don't like the offers, then they could try to keep him and and and, and roll with it and see how it is. But I think the sooner the better for them to get yeah. this over with. And I think I'm 
I'm surprised with all the people that are saying Bonnie's got to go in this instance. And I know it's a bad look. The past two uh, playoff eliminations have been massive blowouts. Man, look at the roster for I can't hold him this this against him. This one I can't hold against him. Look at the roster yeah. he had in that. Like that was he was given a shit salad. Like it, it's hard to even judge his offense, to be honest with you, because you just got these two guys that are so much better than everybody else. And it's there's there's only so much you can do. I think it's the same discussion about Monty as it was with with Bud in the box. Yeah. It's less about like you know, punitive he deserves or he can't blah, blah, blah. It's, 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 it, are the guys in the room still buying what he's selling after those right. two? And like, I don't know, like none of us know the answer to that question, but if you do decide to move on from him, it's as much that as anything else. And, you know, part of that is, part of that is, is, you know, the, the relationship with Aiden and, and, you know, Mo, to your point, like, yeah, the other players might be done with him. I think that's, that's to some degree a coaching fail also. Oh, I, I think I think the 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 relationship between Monty and Aiton fractured is on Monty. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong on that. But the it's, rest it's, of the players and Aiton also, I think, is 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 an offshoot of that to a degree. But I think part of it is just everybody's also just kind of tired of Aiton watching basketball while on the court, which there are examples of you know his teammates paddling for rebounds and him just hanging on the baseline. Like, there's just there's those clips about Julius Randall. Oh, oh, sorry, geez. man! You take some cheap shots, man. Like, damn, I, you Knicks know, I, fans have gotten strays. Uh, Aiton is is a fascinating player to me. I mean, I've talked a lot about physically. I just I love to watch that guy do stuff. I mean, obviously a mid range sniper. Um, it's the lack of physicality inside. I, I just don't know. Change of scenery doesn't change that. I don't think. I mean. And, and you mentioned the women Yama thing. Uh, the lottery is next week. And a lot of teams are hoping to get a franchise changing center. I don't know. Is Aiton a, a, a nice like runner up prize? If you're the San Antonio Spurs and you miss out on the number one pick, is it worth going in on Aiton? I think probably he's a good player. He's, you he's, know, if he, if Detroit could get him, him and Cade Cunningham probably work pretty well together. <laughs> You know, they need, I mean, they, they, they need, need more another centers, center. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, how does he play with LaMelo Ball if Charlotte could get him? I, I think that there are options out there. But if you're DeAndre Ayton, that's a massive step back in status. You're going from a team that's competing for finals appearances to a team that's bottom of the lottery, perhaps. You know, I, I think that that's a big thing. And maybe that's the thing that he needs to be a little bit more forceful on the court. I don't know. I, I mean, it's. You say he's a fascinating player. I'm going to use a different F word when it comes to him. He's a frustrating <laughs> player. Okay. Uh, right. and, 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 and it's because he has all the tools for what you would think like you would want from a center. And hey, he's right. got nice touch or whatever. Him not knowing when to go with nice touch and when to play forceful is is the problem, right? Like there were opportunities. He could have drawn fouls on Jokic and he just simply faded away instead of going straight up with it. And I think that's a... uh issue with that stuff i know we're harping on him a ton and and i'm probably like the deandre ayton hater uh in, in, in this in group the world yeah i i love deandre ayton i mean i'm sorry like the, it is frustrating that he that he plays soft in the interior but 
I mean, he's such a skilled player. Like I like to watch him. I like to watch that guy. He's a run. skilled. He's a skilled player that doesn't win. That doesn't. I know. Play, that doesn't show you his skills. He's not. He doesn't contribute to winning. Like that's. You know what? I'll take the dude that's just going to be grimy and not as skilled at that point and going to actually just get his nose bloody. What's Give Looney? Mo Kevon Looney, basically. It's oh, Looney. Oh God! Every day. Yeah. Well, I I can't disagree with that. By the way, if the but, Suns uh, had Looney. They're in this series still. I know we're not going there, but I know I, I think that's a. I, I, th- think, I think that's a fair. No, I think they might be. I honestly yeah. think at least it's going yeah. seven. Like, yeah. um, so Looney's a I, playoff player too. Yeah, I can't. So I can't take credit for this observation. I saw it somewhere on Twitter, and apologies to whoever saw it. But uh, I probably someone was pointing it. out. Someone was pointing out uh, that that there's a little bit of parallels between this year's Suns team and the first LeBron Heat year, where because you've done all the stuff to get the main guys together and it doesn't totally fit around there. Now, what mechanisms do they have to fill in the pieces around? Questionable, but at the same time, it's not like this is that that group isn't a draw for someone. It's like, you know what? I've made my money. I want to play for a championship. I still got stuff left. Yeah. Uh, now, picking the right guys, maybe not picking, you know, Terrence Ross as like the, the your 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 top target. For that, like aiming aiming a little higher in terms of the role players, but with an off season to whether it's moving, you know, whether it was trading uh, Paul or Aiton or moving, you know, Shamit's contract or whatever they they they, they end up doing, um, they they have a better opportunity to fill in a more sensible kind of one through eight playoff rotation now than they had a chance to after the, the trade deadline this year. So I. I'm not going to say it's a given, but I think there's a very good chance that they're um, a more dangerous, more complete challenger next year than they were this year. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, again, you get a more dynamic ball handler out there as like the third guy, somebody a little bit with a little bit more juice than Chris Paul has left. And it does change. Bogdanovich. I, I like. Well, I love him for a lot of teams, though. So, you know, uh, you, and, you know I he just just to, get I'm, him out of Atlanta. Get him out just, of Atlanta. Just, just if, if here's my plea to every front office: go look at how good Kevin Herter looked in the regular season. Don't ignore the playoffs. Go look at how Kevin Herter looked in the regular season when he was given a bigger role. Just see if you can get that from Bogdanovich. Right. That's all I got. That's all I got there. That's a, a, a side. Or, or John note. Collins. Yeah, I mean, God. All right, we, we're gonna we'll do an Atlanta <laughs> yeah. Hawks podcast yeah. at some point because we love a lot of their players. Uh, okay, before we go, we've got a couple of game sixes that are going to take place tonight. We're recording this Friday and, you know, putting it out on Friday. So we're, we're talking about the games tonight. We got Knicks heat game six in Miami, and we've got warriors Lakers game six in LA. The warriors suck on the road. The, the heat are right, the heat are closing this out tonight, right? Like we all agree here. I, I think, think so. so. Although so. I'm scared that their shooting is now becoming be, going to get back to regular season levels. And when they were bad, I'm a little bit worried the shine has come off a bit, but I think the 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 Heat are winning it. I mean, they damn near pulled off Game Five. So I I, I do worry a little bit about New York's ability to bounce back. Uh, just in terms of, like Brunson Grimes played all 48. It's the first time two teammates have played the entire game since in a playoff game since 2005. Uh, they um, needed every people, minute. People, yeah, and people have come back at me with Game Seven of the Nets Bucks win, but James Harden sat for nine tenths of a second in that game. <laughs> but, damn, uh, damn. But, uh, um, 
but and, and and I think I think we might we may we might see a return of forty eight minute Jimmy tonight on the other end. And um, I yeah I think that I think that that um, that that the Heat close it out. I'm I kind of feel like Golden State is in good shape to win this one tonight. I don't know why I feel that way. I oh, you know of, why? You know why? Why? Steph Curry. Oh yeah, that's why. You can't. It, he is. It's like Tim Duncan. And until I see somebody beat him, I am going to pick Steph Curry to win. That's just where I'm at with Steph Curry. The guy just wins. He is a winner. And he this team is not that good. We know this at this point. And he carries that team. Uh, I just refuse to go against him. I think they're going to take it seven. I'm still, still picking the Warriors to come out. Although I do like that Lakers team so much. They are so tough. I just think that Steph Curry, man, he wins. I think the the Lakers close it out tonight. I think they I think the Anthony Davis shit that people have been throwing on him since he had, you know, what looked like a possible concussion yeah. turns out it's not and and everybody kind of piling on with this on you know the the takes with that. I think he has a monster game. I don't think the Warriors have an answer for how to defend him. Go watch the tape. They've changed the pick and roll, and they're basically switching AD onto Curry, and it hasn't been that good for the Warriors. The Warriors fans who've been screaming for pick and rolls, and I say, listen, they do need to run more pick and rolls. It's not an offense they can live in all all game long. It's the Lakers, I think, can actually defend it by just switching it and putting AD on him in that instance, and and watching that game four where he did a great job with Curry on those few possessions right there when when he switched onto him. I think the Lakers do it. I think LeBron kind of chilled game game oh, five. Kind saved of him, saved himself. Kind of. <laughs> I think I think he sees the moment right now to get to the conference finals. I think he does this at home. I think it's uh, this is this is the Lakers run that wins LeBron some La- more Laker fans because the bubble run didn't do it. And right. this one well, does. And I think, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But like, I think this one does. I think LeBron knows it. He has ability to sense the moment. Yes, I'm scared shitless that Curry will drop like 97 points tonight. But I still it's not think. Curry tonight. It's not Curry tonight. I, no, I don't. He's I, due. I, he, you know he's, he's due. He's had a couple of. He had a decent yeah, game. Game five. six, Clay. Clay Thompson, game six. I'm, look, I'm expecting a huge game. It, it's basketball. Basketball has rhyme, right? It, it has rhythm. These stories repeat themselves, right? We know this. I'm telling you right now, 3-1 deficit, Steph Curry versus LeBron. It has to happen. All I know happen. is all I know is I can't handle three game sevens on Sunday. I don't That's know so if my much. heart could take it. I honestly don't know if any of my personal relationships could take it. I'm just Happy saying Happy Mother's I Day. I can't handle three. If we have three game sevens on Monday. Or no, we're only gonna have two because the the, the, the heat, yeah. The, yeah. the heat's on Monday. The heat are Never mind. But uh no, no, the heat even if it is that game's on Monday. Denver did its job, so we might just have two game sevens on Monday. I'd prefer one, but I think the yeah. I think the Lakers are uh, gonna close this one out. I got so I got a question for both of you guys, and, and this Uh-oh. is gonna this is gonna be this might even be proven like moot by the time this pod comes out. But I, there's two possible starting lineup changes that I think one makes sense for either team. One I don't think is gonna happen. I don't think that the Warriors are gonna start, even though I think they should. I think that that Looney guarding AD and letting Draymond. Is a better defensive look for them. Um, 
I kind of am wondering if the why the Lakers are going to start Schroeder uh, instead of uh, Vanderbilt. Um, I think he's been good. I, I, he's been good. He is. Um, you know, we we talked earlier about Jalen Brown kind of wearing Harden down with his defensive pressure. That's like Dennis Schroeder. You have one job, and that's just to to to, to get in Steph's shit for forty eight minutes. And I think we you know we've seen at times where Steph has fatigued a little mm-hmm. because he's being asked to do so much. And I think just turning Schroeder loose on him from the jump, I think that was something that could pay dividends for the Lakers uh, if it's a close game late. I. I'm with you on Looney. I'm with you on that. I don't think Kerr's going to do that. I think that's, you know, uh, at this point, I think it's over and done with. The shooter one's interesting, but if I'm the Lakers, I don't know if I make that change. I think there's also a signaling a little bit when you do that stuff in 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 a series. Like, okay, we've, we're have we we're kind of fucked. Right. And I think, you know, sure. Hey, and maybe and it's I a think, game seven switch, Mo. Maybe, but I think the other thing, too, with the reason why I'd probably just stay with Vanderbilt is Schroeder does bring something off the bench. Yeah. That, like, if you take him, if you put him into the starting lineup, now you're hoping, like, you get, like, a, a, a another wild Rui Hachimura game, right? Like, because that's, like, your bench <laughs> performer, right? Like, that's, that's you, you are basically weakening your bench a little bit because you're going to play Vanderbilt at some point in this right. game. And so I'd rather just let me just get his minutes in early and 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 then have Dennis come in and, and kind of stick with my rotation. So I'm probably not ready to make that change yet. Maybe game seven, but not not yet at game six. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're calling Lakers tonight. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, listen, I just refuse to go against Steph Curry. And I, I do think this Lakers team is decent. I mean, I think that they're probably better than the Warriors, but it's just Steph Curry. What am I going to Can- do? Can we finish this pod by uh, in the past we've uh, we've gotten in trouble for uh, giving the Denver Nuggets a pat on the head? Oh, and I think we should. I think we should end by you know we talked a lot about the Suns, give them a pat on the back and say you know that they they have been the best team in the playoffs so far and, and deserving a deserving conference finals entrance. Were you not here at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we just, we had. Self-flagellation by by <laughs> Mo over here for for abandoning the Nuggets. That's okay. We'll, we'll I'm never running abandon. behind the wagon right now, like just <laughs> running. Let's go. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for today's show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Mo Dekeel and Seth Partnow, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. <laughs>